family take care of me up here. God bless y'all tonight. Um, it's a pleasure to, to be here with y'all again. Uh, it's following my lot tonight. So <clears throat> if you will, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Matthew 8, uh, verses 18 through 20. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. I want to give you a, a background on this sermon tonight if you'll bear with me a minute. It's been about four weeks, five weeks ago. So Wednesday night, I was sitting on the side of the bed and I was tying my shoes. Different ministers find different ways to get the leading of the Lord, what sermon to study. I usually get mine in sermons. I'll be sitting in the church, Brother Donnie will say something, I'll write a note. Or another minister, Brother West, or somebody will say something and I'll write a note. And I'll think I'll study on that. So I was doing that before I come. I, I was praying, Lord, give me something tonight what you would like me to study on next. So I tied my shoes, got in my truck, drove here, walked in the door, and a brother grabbed me. I'm not going to tell you his name. I didn't ask permission to tell his name, and he's not the type of person that would want recognition. He, but he's a brother that it's high esteem in this church. He's a pillar of this church. He said, come here, I want to talk to you. So he pulled me in the library. He said, Brother Joe, I want to tell you something. I had something that happened to me today that I've never happened in my life. He said, something told me while I was at work today to tell Joe Hara the title of his next sermon. Would Jesus be comfortable living in your skin? I'm kind of like Gideon. I've put so many fleeces before the Lord because sometimes I don't take the first time for an answer. So I was at home praying Sunday night before last. And I said, Lord, if you want me to preach this, let me know. And I got a text from Brother Donnie. He said, will you preach Wednesday night? First of all, I want to apologize first and foremost. If this sermon offends you in any way, I've never preached this sermon like this. But I told a brother a while ago, I'll preach this sermon tonight or hang. Amen, I have beat myself with this sermon tonight. I haven't slept in a month. There ain't a single person in this church that I would offend for anything in the world. But what this sermon is telling me 
this scripture says, the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. But when he's telling this man that, I wonder if he thought by the rob in his mind, one day I will. I'll back a moving van up to Brother Rob Weber's house and I'll move in. I'll move my stuff into Wes Willis's house. This does not mean you don't have the Holy Ghost if he's not comfortable in every point in your house. This message is not to de-Christianize you, take the Holy Ghost out of your life. I needed this message more than anybody I know. So if it's not for anybody, I'll stand here tonight and preach to myself. But if I've ever preached a message that God gave me, and this might be the last one I ever preach. Brother Branham said, sometimes God will raise a man for six months for one sermon. If this is that, then so be it. But with my hand to God, there's not a single person in here that I would offend for anything. So it, what I get out of this sermon is that we're at the end. We're at the very end. And God wants full reign. If you've got doors in your life, as we're going to read in a minute, and rooms in your life that you're not letting God on, I suggest you take the door off the hinges. God wants free reign in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Lord, I really don't want to do it if I was to be honest. This is so different than any sermon you've gave me, Lord. This is not who I am. This is not the way I study. But Lord, I know that if you're talking to anybody, Lord, you're talking to me. I pray, Father, if there's one soul in here, whether they have the Holy Ghost or not, Lord, if there's one soul that just needs to check up a little bit, let you have more free reign in their life, Lord. So be it tonight. We welcome you. We invite you. We ask that you would come tonight, speak to each heart. Get me out of the way, Lord. I believe you will in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Brother Branham said to one of the meanest men I know in town, how did that foot wash flunky ever pass him? I wish I could have been there. I'd been watching for him. I'd have a special bowl of water ready for him. I would have loved to have met him. I don't know, something must have happened. He's saying he don't, he don't know why the foot, the foot wash flunky wasn't there. He said, I don't know why he wasn't there. He missed him. Nobody kissed him. Nobody washed him. Nobody groomed him. Nobody made him welcome. But he came anyhow. Because he was invited. I wonder sometimes when we invite him, do we think of those things? Do we make him welcome? Don't be ashamed of him. Just when he comes in your heart, worship him. Lord, come to my heart. Then when he comes, are you ashamed because you're standing in the presence of someone else? When you hear somebody take his precious name in vain, are you ashamed to walk up and say, don't do that? That hurts me so bad. That's my master you're taking his name in vain. I wonder if we really welcome him.
Brother Branham said at one point, he said, he said he was homeless, had no place to live. And in studying this, and, I, and I, I, when I was reading Matthew 8, and he, and he tells this, this, this person, I've got nowhere to live. I've got nowhere to lay my head. And I thought, all these disciples, all these people that, that, he, that he healed, why didn't they ever offer him a place to live? Why didn't he say, move in with me? Why didn't, they, why didn't they say, you're welcome to live with me? In, this chapter, in chapter 8, Matthew, it's the same, the same verse where the centurion says, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. Yeah. The centurion was probably under conviction. He probably had things in his life, in his house, he didn't want Jesus to say, to see. But he said, if you'll say the word, but don't, don't come to my house. So many times we want that in our life. Jesus, you just say the word, but I'm going to keep you out of this. We ask for so many things in our life. There's so many things in our life that we ask for. Do we ever hear him answer? Brother Branham said, if you sit down and talk to him, he says, Jesus will answer you. Amen. And when there's so many things in our life that we want, we want it so bad. And our desires and our wants drown out the answer that God gave us. We don't hear it. We don't open the doors in our life that would give us the opportunity to hear what Jesus says to us. He might tell you, you need to get rid of this. He might tell you, you need to stop doing this. Amen. So we, we're going to look at some of those doors in a minute. But Brother Bram says, there's so many today. We'll invite him to the city for a revival. And then he comes and they just say, oh, pass by that stuff. There's nothing to it. We ask him. We've never made him welcome. You asked him to come, but did you make him welcome? In your life, when you go to work, when you go to school, young people, does Jesus feel comfortable living through you? If you and Jesus was to sit down at the end of the day, would he truthfully be able to say, you made me comfortable today? But there he sits over in the corner like a, wall, a wallflower. His precious little head hanging down, everybody passing by. They were interested in the fairs and the pastor was there. Brothers, I'm sorry I didn't have this one on there. And they were interested in the fairs and the pastor was there and they had their social gatherings and they're talking. But what about poor Jesus? He wasn't welcome. He said one place, you know, Simon invited him over so they could make fun of him. They could make fun of him. But this whole time, you know, when studying this, I thought one day, I wonder if he thought, you know, he, he, he put the mortgage on you, Brother Wes, before the foundation of the world. He said, that's my property, this house, I'm buying it. Amen. He paid for it. One day I'll move in it. But in that house, there's so many doors. Jesus is not going to force himself in any door in your house. If he ain't welcome, he won't go there. <clears throat> Brother Brandon said it influence. I pray, Heavenly Father, just now for this audience and for myself, Lord. Take anything from me that's not like you. I want 
to you to live in me. I want your spirit with the preeminences. I want you to live so completely in me that I'm no more myself. I just walk and talk and live in you. Grant it, Lord. Brother Branham said, I want you to live so completely in me that I'm living in you. People can't tell who's living in who. You walk so close to him. His life consumes everything that you are. Listen, before I go any further, I want to let everyone in here know I'm guilty. I'm just a messenger, but I'm guilty. There's doors in my life that I, I've tried to hold tight shut when I have felt the Lord opening. Brother Brenham says sometimes we invite him in. We stand him. We let him in the door. We can truthfully say God is in my life. We can truthfully say God is living through me. We can say he lives in my house. But you've got him standing by the front door. That's the only place that you allow him in is when you, you, you put him by the front door. He's there. He's in there. He's an occupant. But what do you let him have access to? Brother Branham said, Jesus at the door. Many people will let him in the door, but they won't let him be Lord. Lord is ruler, ownership, possessor. He says, people let Jesus in. I don't want to die and save, Lord. I don't want to go to devil's hell, so I'll accept you as my personal Savior. But when he comes in, can he be Lord over your house? Amen. Is he welcome? Now, here's what I want you speak to speak to for the next few minutes. In your heart, you've got a lot of little secret closets that you don't want Jesus to come into. That's the little doors inside the door. This is Jesus at the door, and he preached... Uh, also preached door to the door or door in the door <clears throat> several times. Now as you turn the corner after you come in where Jesus, you accepted him as your Savior. Now Jesus, look, you stand right here. Don't you go meddling in my business or any of my societies or telling me what I have to do like or what I have to wear or what I have to do. You stay right there. Don't let me go to hell. It's all right, you can stay here, but don't you meddle <clears throat> in my private life. Do we give him access to every door in our home? Is there a room or two? You can examine your own self. I have, I still am, I still will. But is there any room in your house, in your life, that you haven't given him access to? We're going to look at a few doors tonight. And door, doors in a door, Brother Branham said, but if I went to your house and you told me you stand there at your door, now don't you go meddling around, I wouldn't feel too welcome. Would you? No, see, you wouldn't feel welcome. Somebody invited you in and said, now wait, come in and stand right here. What would you do if somebody invited you to their house? Say if somebody of, we would call of upper standards or something, higher society, that's somebody that don't even talk to you, don't even, you know, notice you at church or, or work or whatever. And all of a sudden they come up to you and said, hey, me and my wife would like to invite you to dinner tonight. Oh, you'd be on top of the world. I'm invited. And then you come in, they say, okay, y'all sit right there. We're gonna, me and my family's going to go eat dinner. 
How many times in our life do you think Jesus relives Simon's house? How many times in our life do you think Jesus feels like he's right back in Simon's house? And then spiritually, we put him there. Spiritually, whether we like it or not, we stick him right back in Simon's house. Unwelcome, unkissed. Let's look at some, some things in our, in our life. You know, in studying this, I look at different doors. I look, I look at marriage because we're supposed to be married to Christ. We're supposed to be married and living together as a husband and wife. How is the marriage in your house? Is Jesus comfortable in your marriage? Is he comfortable? At the end of the week, you and your wife sit down with Jesus. Does he say, I had a wonderful week with y'all this week? No fussing, no fighting. No leaving me out. You included me. Does he feel comfortable? If God, if Christ is comfortable in your marriage, a husband would wake up every day wanting to make his wife happy. She would wake up every day wanting to make her husband happy. That's their goal. Christ first, then my husband. Christ first, then my wife. We're all human. I'm not going to take the humanity out of it. We fall every day. We make mistakes. But he's coming in a rapture for a perfect bride. And a perfect bride will be typed by Holy Ghost filled marriage. She can't wait to spend the day with him when they get up. Christ can't wait to spend the day with you. He can't wait to spend the day with you. That's, that's the highlight of his life. Go, re go listen to the sermon fellowship again. That was God's greatest desire when he said, let there be light. The one main thing he wanted was fellowship. Nothing more and nothing less. That's why he's coming for a bride. Why? Because he wants fellowship. And so if we're the type of Christ, as the Bible says, to, for, for husbands to treat your wife as Christ treated the church, the wives submit your, yourselves to your husband. I, I didn't put that in the Bible. That's in there. That door was already in there. So if I'm stepping in your house and stepping in your toes, that's not for me. I'm reading the mail. You say, Brother Joe, you're not going to win no popularity contest. I'm not in one. I'm not in one. So if we used to sit your children down, we'd say, what's life like at home? What, how's your marriage? How's the marriage between your mom and dad? Would they have an example of Christ in their life? Would they be able to say Christ? I see Christ in my mom and dad's marriage. Or 
Or they say, I need to go somewhere to get away from the fussing and the fighting. Fussing over this, fussing over that, arguing. He ain't never happy. She ain't never happy. There's no prayer time. There's no time sitting down reading the Bible. Lord, we don't even pray over the food sometimes. Is Christ comfortable in your marriage? What if Jesus did that to us? What if he got up in the morning, went to work, never said anything, we're praying, praying, Lord, I need this, I need this, totally ignored us. Hey, what if Jesus said, hey, I married you for your money. There was no love involved. It was a great opportunity. It was means to an end. Is that the way our marriage works? The marriage between a man and a woman is supposed to parallel the marriage of Christ and the bride. Is the husband treating the wife like a doormat? And the kids don't have no respect for their mother because all their life they've seen their dad to beat her down, talk to her like she's a dog. That's all they hear, that's all they see. She's your queen. She is your queen. God gave her to you to be queen of your castle. And then you got the wife come on. She jerks off the, the head of the household pants of her husband, puts him on, on herself, and he don't have no decisions. She makes all the decisions. She does all the discipline. Are we supposed to tell Christ what to do? We're taking doors off hinges tonight. I want Christ to be comfortable in my life, in my marriage. Do your kids ever felt the presence of the Lord in your house? Have they ever seen you pray? Have they ever walked by your bedroom door and hear mom and dad in there on their knees praying for them? I could say, I, I, I grew up in a family that we would get, when I was, we was kids, mom and dad, before we went to bed, we would have to turn all the lights out in the living room and we'd all have to, I say have to, because I didn't want to. <laughs> and we'd have to get around the couch and the chairs or whatever and, and pray. I miss those days. I miss them. I miss my mom reading me Bible stories. That instilled something in me. I didn't do that with my kids. For being honest. My wife would some. I can't, you know, if my kids were going off somewhere, I'd pray for them real quick. I've got to take that door off the hinge. Jesus, feel comfortable in your marriage. Would Jesus feel comfortable in the way you raise your kids? Let's look at the parenthood door.
Every single parent in here has made many mistakes. We've made many mistakes. We're going to make a lot more. But in studying this, I got to that Lord, where no doubt I've messed up so many times. So many times. As a parent. Parents, I want you to think of something tonight. Your kid can do more than hit a baseball. That's right, sir. Your kid can do more than shoot a basketball. Your kid can do more than kick a ball. You get out there and you cheer them on. Your kid running down the field with a ball, your kid running there with a base, hitting a baseball, making a diving catch, and you lose your mind. You lose your mind. Do you lose your mind when you see them come up here? When they give the heart to the Lord, when you hear a testimony of your kid in Louisiana camp giving his heart to the Lord, do you rejoice just as much? That's when he hit a baseball. I have often said, I've often made the mistake and said my kids are my hobby. And they are. Being honest. Whatever my kids are doing, I enjoy. If they're throwing a rock at the neighbor's house, I want to watch them. But that's my joy. And so many times, I've opened that door of my hobby so wide that I've pushed the door closed of their spiritual life. His brother Ron Peterson made a statement while we, we were preaching in Arizona. He's talking about them kids. He's talking about your kids. He said they're more than just athletes. They're more than just college students. When you cheer them, he said, when, when they take this word, do you cheer them on? Do you say, run, take this word and run. Run, Brother Caleb, run, Chloe. Run, Tim. Are you parents? Are you cheering them on? Or you've locked that door. But all you can see is their sports. Is Jesus comfortable with you as a parent? Does Jesus think you've done the best you can do? Video game is not a babysitter. Your videos, your movies are not babysitters. But I promise you one thing, when they're watching, they're learning something. They're learning something. You know why they're learning something? Because you're not teaching them. Have they ever heard the message in your house? Have they heard the voice of Malachi 4 inside the place where Jesus is supposedly welcome? Have they heard it? Do they hear you? When you leave church and you talk about the sermon that was preached, or do they hear you picking it apart? 
Parents, you are molding human beings. You are shaping minds. You can do it as much spiritually as you do it mentally. As them kids grow older and older, if God doesn't do something for them, they're going to have the same viewpoints of brother so-and-so that you have, sister so-and-so that you have, and all they're going to do is develop a demonic, critical spirit. Is Jesus comfortable with you as a parent? Now listen, y'all, I'm trying to get through this as fast as possible. What about our jobs? Many of us have dream jobs. Some of us even say, God gave me this job. Do people at work know God gave you the job? Do people know that God gave you that job? I ran into a guy some time ago. Here's my opinion. People ought to, in the world ought to know who you are, and I don't mean by your name. If you have the Holy Ghost in your life, it is absolutely impossible for people in the world not to see it. It's impossible. There's something different about a person with the Holy Ghost, and I don't mean on your flesh. So do people at work know that when they see you, when they interact with you? Or are you just one of the guys? Or are you just one of the girls? When you go to work, does Jesus feel comfortable going to work with you? Does he feel at home? Or do we keep the door of our job shut? Jesus, don't go meddling in there. Don't meddle in there. That's, that's another part of my life. I'll leave the church door open for you. I'll leave the front door open for you. Some time ago, it's been years, I ran into a guy in Johnson City. I ran into a guy in Johnson City, and he said, yeah, um, so-and-so, worked with him for years, a guy that went to church here. He said, I didn't even know he went to church. I didn't even know he went to church with you. I thought, Lord, don't ever let me ever have that testimony. Don't ever let me. I've had people come up to me that I've never mentioned. There, there's one guy that I worked with in Elizabeth, and he's atheist. He won't say he's atheist. He's poor agnostic, he says. But I've never, ever said one word to him where I went to church. And he told me where I went to church. <laughs> he told me. Amen. He knew where I went to church. But when, when, when I'm... In dealing with the job, I, I pray about jobs. I'll never forget. I, I, got, I got offered a job up here at Happy Valley High School teaching criminal justice. They was going to let me teach criminal justice and help with the football team. I was excited. I had tried for about three years. And finally it was happening. So I went for my interview. And before I ever left the interview, she said, we're going to interview another guy, but the job's yours if you want it. I said, I started to say, I'll take it. But I said, let me get back with you. I'm going to pray about it. The lady was a wonderful lady. 
Some of y'all know her, Miss Hubbard. Just a, she's been a wonderful lady up here at the high school before she retired. And she's a Christian lady in her own right. She totally understood. So I went home, and later that day, I was telling a brother in, in the back room, I said, you ever had that voice? I've never, ever, never had an audible voice speak to me. I'm, I'm not a spiritual person. I, I'm not. You know, I get things on my heart. I feel like the Lord lead me to say something, to study something and preach something. As far as me and this other brother communicating on what to preach, that's never happened to me in my life. Probably never will again. Because they probably, Brother Donnie probably won't let me preach again. But, <laughs> but anyways, I said, but sometimes... When God's dealing with your heart, the voice in your heart is so loud, it's deafening. How many's ever had that happen? God's speaking something to your heart, and it's so loud. And it said, don't take that job. Don't take that job. Oh, man, no way. I got heartburn or something. Because <laughs> I wanted it, and I wanted it bad. And so I went to my wife. I said, I just feel like I shouldn't take that job. So I called him. I called her. I said, Miss Hubbard, you've been so gracious. I said, I, I can't. I just, I prayed about it. I said, it's going to, I was going to take a pay cut. I said, I'm going to put my family in a little bit. It's going to mess with them financially. I said, I really, as bad as I want it. I wanted to be selfish. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to be selfish. Because I wanted it. But I turned it down, and it, I've been blessed ever since. I've been blessed ever since. And God just keeps on blessing me. But do we do that? Do we go to a job interview? And do we tell people, let me pray about it? I've, had, I've told people that. Uh, they offered me a new position up here at, uh, at the police academy, and my boss called me while I was in Arizona. No, he, he talked to me before, and I said, let me pray about it. And he just kind of, okay. And then he called me in Arizona and asked me again. He said, you remember said you was praying about it? And I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm praying about it too. <laughs> so, hey, it's contagious. It's contagious. But are we doing that? When we... God gives us a job. Do we, do we show God gratitude by just going on and, and working the job and, and, and never acknowledging Him anymore? I thank Him every, every time it hits my mind. Lord, I thank You for this. I thank You. Because there's things in our lives. Every single person in here, you can look at something in your life and know you would not have a huge blessing that you would not have if God just didn't smile on you and say, here it is. So let's open the door to our jobs. Don't make it all about money. Don't make it all about money. Husband working the wife to death to get all the money they can get, and the wife working the husband to death to get all the money they can get, and that's the way their, money, their mind runs is money, money, money. I need money because I want stuff. I want money because I want to go on vacation. I want money for this. I want money for that. It's all going to burn anyway. It's all going to burn. So why do you want so much? 
Well, I, well, I, I want to live comfortably. I want to live, hey, trust in him. You'll never have any more comfort than that. You'll never have any more comfort than that. Decisions we make in our life. Decisions that are life impacting. Like what car to buy. Some people want a nice car. They don't care what they have to pay to get it. They don't care how big the nice payment is. They want to be seen driving up in the parking lot with a nice car. They want a nice house because so-and-so's got one. They want nice clothes because so-and-so's got nice clothes. If you would try keeping up with Jesus instead of keeping up with your neighbor, I promise you, you'd be a whole lot more happier. But do we pray about these decisions? People going to different churches. You want to move from one church to another church. Are you praying about it? That's what people say. I've prayed about it. I've prayed about it. I'm, I'm praying about it. What, what did he say? Amen. What did he say? Brother Bram said, sit down and talk to God and he will answer you. Yes, amen. But as, as, as I said earlier, if it's something we really want to do, we look at our, our desire in our life as God saying, yes, you can have it. God don't go by your desire. How many times have you heard Brother Bram say, you don't go by feelings? God don't go by feelings. So just because you want something so bad, you've got to have that car so bad, you feel like God is leading you to buy it. See if God makes the payment for you. But decisions in our life, every decision we make in our life, we should approach God with it. I'm guilty of not. I've paid for it. There's, there's a bunch of, I wish I hadn't in my life. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have heard. But there's so many things in our life that we just, we just take God for granted. We leave him out of the picture. God, you think God don't care about what car you drive? You think God don't care about what house you live in? Sure he does, but his, his desire might not be yours. I think God wants us to bless, to, to bless us. And I'll promise you, if you quit trying so hard to bless yourself, God will bless you. You know, I'm the, I'm the type of person that I, I have to have signs. I'm a sign person because I'm so stupid. I can't hear him sometimes when he's talking to me. That's why I told you whenever th that brother came up to me and said, this brother, the Lord told me this was your title. And I should have took it that the, the Lord has never spoken to that brother before. But I don't hear real well. So I said, God, show me a sign. And he did. He's done it numerous times to me because I have to have signs. I'm sorry. But the Bible says, signs and wonders follow them that believe. So I'll take the signs, you take the wonders, and we'll all be blessed. Amen. 
But we ask him for guidance and where we should be in our life. Where should we go to church? You know, Brother Donnie put a quote up here. Last Sunday, or Sunday before last Sunday, it said, don't despise where God has got you, but serve your purpose. Amen. We're not going to like where God has us all the time. We're not going to be happy. But I promise you, if, if you trust him where you're at, you'll find your way to happiness. God will bless you. He, he didn't say you're going to like it. He didn't say you're going to like it. Ask Moses sometime. When you get on the other side, ask Moses if he likes spending 40 years on the backside of the desert. And then another 40 years, pulling around 20, uh, 2 million complaining people for 40 years. Do you think he enjoyed that? Didn't despise where God had him. He served his purpose. Let's look at our private lives, our entertainment. Do we let God in that? You let him in on your entertainment, things you watch, things you read. Do you come in here and you, and you hear the pastor blast this, blast that, and you're sitting there, amen, waving your hand, and then you, you go home and your kid catches you watching something you shouldn't watch? What kind of example? What kind of example have we left? You said amen, which means so bit to what the pastor said, and then here you are doing what he preached against. Do we, do we take him with us on vacation? Do you take God, do you, does Jesus comfortable with you on vacation? Is he? You ever notice how people's clothes get shorter on vacation? If you're laying all splayed out on the beach, down at Disney World, cruise wherever you're at, can somebody who don't know you walk up and look at you and say, there's a Christian? Or are you fitting in? Because you, you don't want to be a spectacle. You don't want, sisters, you don't want to see somebody walk by and you see you in that long skirt on the beach. Brothers, you don't want to be wearing pants out in the ocean. Hey, we're going home with this. It's the truth. Amen. Like I said when I started, I would never offend a single soul in here. If I was to get up here and preach something because I wanted to get out somebody, I have no business up here. I have no business up here. And I might not be preaching to a single person in here. Maybe somebody that's streaming likes the beach in shorts. I don't know. But it is what it is. Listen, we're getting right up to the end time. This is honing time. It's cutting down. It's opening doors that we didn't open before. It's opening doors and letting him into places we've never let him before. I promise you, you'll not go in the rapture with one door closed. Not one door closed. If you don't give Jesus full entire reign of your entire spiritual house, you will not go. You can't tell Jesus you can have this and not have this. You got to let him have it all. So don't, when you go on vacation or wherever you go, the mall, wherever, don't hide your light under a bushel. You know, if Jesus is in your house, he's got all the lights on. He's got all the lights outside on. It's lit up. 
Because He's a light. So when you go places in your life, don't turn all the lights out and draw the shades. Be a light. Let Jesus be comfortable on the beach. Jesus might like the beach. But let Him find comfort in your life. Wherever He's at. Wherever you're at. Do we bring Him to church? Your door to church in your life. We always say, He's here because I brought Him with me. I've left Him at home a lot. I've left Him at home. We all have. Like it or not, we've all left Him at home. You're getting ready for church. You're running late. You're fussing with your husband. You're smacking your kids because they got eggs on their shirt. You done changed it four times. You had, you had a bad day at work. You rush, rush, rush. You pull in the parking lot fussing. You're smacking their kids, your kids as they're walking in the door. And did you ever stop to say, Lord, take anything out of my life that would hinder anybody? Had an argument this morning. Forgive us for that. Because what you're going to do, you're going to bring that argument spirit and you're going to sit it down. You're going to criticize everything that happens. You're going to criticize the song there. He ain't doing it the way you like it. So-and-so does something in worship service. That's distracting to me. Is it? The Jesus that you claimed, that you brought in with you, somebody is worshiping a little too loud. Are you going to say, Jesus, he's distracting me when he's worshiping you? That's basically what we're saying. God leads people in different ways. Somebody might do something in church in the service you might not understand. You might not understand. What I suggest you do, enter into worship yourself, you and God. Enter into worship. Don't let anybody, any, whatever. It's between you and God. It ain't between you and that sister that's shouting and God. It's between you and God. So if you enter worship just you and God, there'll be no distractions. I could ask you tonight, would you let hell, the devil or hell, keep you from worshiping God? From lifting your hands and praising? But you let a brother or sister in church do something, they're distracting you. Please, bring Jesus with you to church. Listen, there's so many times, you know, we leave home. I wonder if he ain't running beside the vehicle, knocking on the door. Let me in. I want to go. But you're so engaged in what's consuming you at the moment. You never invited him in. When you was leaving, did you stop before you left the house? and, Lord, I need something from you tonight. I've had a rough day. Things going on in my life. Problems at work, problems with the kids. Lord, I pray that you take it all away. Let this be mine in your time. So when you come in here, if you bring Jesus in here with you, there's nobody in here but you and him. 
Nobody. And if every single person, if every single one of us would do that, bring him with you. We'll have a service like we never had. So let's open that door. Every time we come in, open that door. Lord, I welcome you in and we're going to worship you now. I want you to be there. I don't want to leave home without you. You think when Jesus leaves, is he going to take you with him? When he comes to get a bride, are you going to be part of it? Or is he going to invite, is he going to invite you? Is he going to welcome you? That's all he wants. Brother Bam says to be welcomed, to be kissed, to be washed. Many times the door of fellowship. Being kind to one another. That seems so simple. Kindness. Fellowship. Try fellowshipping with somebody you've never fellowshiped with before. There's so many times. It's been a while now. I seen a brother come to church one time. He'd, he had fallen away. Fallen out of grace and he'd come back and he was sitting in church and somebody walked by me. Is that so, brother so-and-so? I said, yeah. And they kind of snarled and make some remark. I thought of all the time that brother needed us was right now. Right now. You think Jesus would have passed him by? You know, me and Brother Harry was talking the other day at the, the campground about him. He knows who Rust Half is. Rust Half is a singer, a gospel singer with the Gaithers and all that. And it, I'll try to make this brief. He's got a new documentary out. He was an alcoholic for years. People never knew about it. He came on to do a recording one time and plastered, drunk. And the other gospel singers there never seen him like that before. And they end up making him leave. And when they made him leave, all the other singers got around and said, we need to rally around him. Am I telling this right, Brother Harry? We need to rally around him. We need to lift him up in prayer. We need to help him. We need to pull him in. And then when that brother told, when Brother Harry told me that, I thought of that brother. Of all the times, you're the bride of Christ. You're the queen of heaven. Amen. And we would snub our nose at somebody that needs salvation more than anything else in their life. You know, if, if nothing else, take some time during your day. If you know somebody that's struggling, you, you know somebody that has a need, stop what you're doing for three minutes. Say a prayer for them. There's, everybody in here can think of somebody right now that's struggling. There's some people, like Brother Donnie said, that since COVID, they won't come back. They won't come back. They got comfortable. They got comfortable. Streaming made it easy. That's all I'll say about that. But listen, he wants to come in. He wants to feel welcome. He wants to have access to everything in your life. I'm gonna, the night I was praying that if the Lord would show me, would show me if I was supposed to preach this.
Like I said, I've never heard an audible voice in my life. I woke up at three in the morning to these words. Please don't think I'm spiritual. I'm not. I'm just Joe. Y'all know me. He said, Vashti, I have summoned you often and you would not. I have given my heart to another. How many knows who Vashti was? King of Harris's queen. He summoned her to the palace and she wouldn't come. But what in the world is that? At three o'clock in the morning, I was instantly wide awake. I just woke straight up. And I heard that. And then I heard it again. Vashti, I have summoned you often. And you would not have given my heart to another. Heard that three times. Stealed it. I was like, what in the world is that? What is the meaning of that? And then I heard, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The part of that scripture that kept coming out to me was, if any man hear my voice. Listen, the knock is what got your attention. The voice is what lets you open the door and let him in. It's the voice. Brother Branham said, Jesus is begging. Why would Jesus, the God of heaven, have to beg us for anything? Why would he have to beg? He's given you everything. Why would he have to beg? All he's begging for is attention. He's begging for fellowship. He's not asking for your money. He's not asking for your house. He's not asking you for your life. He gave his. He gave his life for you. And he's begging you just for a little bit of fellowship. Let me go on vacation with you one time. Take me to church. Take me to work. Take me anywhere. How long are we going to let him knock? Now listen, you say I've already let him in. You are. You have. You've let him in. But he's knocking all on them other doors that you've got in your life. Amen. And he's begging. He's begging. Let, let me in. I like you. You ever heard that? Tell somebody before. I love you, but I don't like you. Jesus likes you. He don't love you because he asked you. You love your wife. Yeah, you love you. are supposed to love everybody. Jesus likes you. You know, you got friends. You got buddies. You like those guys. I like to think that Jesus likes me more than I think that he loves me because I know he loves me. Yeah. To like somebody means you like being around them. To like somebody means you got to spend time doing stuff with them. Yeah. Just stuff. Go mow the yard. Take Jesus with you. You go clean the gutters out. Take Jesus with you. Whatever you're doing, you're going to wash the car. He wants to go. He wants to go. He just wants to feel comfortable in your life. That's all. He's not asking you to give it. Make me comfortable. You think when he was in Simon's house, you think he was nervous? Embarrassed? Are you embarrassing Jesus because you don't want to take him certain places? Is he embarrassment to you? Let me tell you something. Studying this, I have beaten myself to pieces. 
It hurts me to preach this because I'm so guilty. That's me. He's begging me, Joe Hara, let me in. Take me out to mow the yard. When you let the dog out, take me with you. When you paint, Brother Fred, take me with you. Brother West, when you go to work, take him with you. It's just supposed to work. Larry, when you do a mortgage, take him with you. You ever been around somebody and you can tell they didn't feel welcome to be there? What if Jesus feels that way? Do you make him feel that way in your life? If you knew, if God give you a vision, like he did Brother Brandon when he seen all them buffers hitting Jesus in blood, he said, that's the sins of the world. He said, no, it's your sins. What if Jesus gave you, God give you a vision of what Jesus feels like around you? All of a sudden, right up here, a big picture, a movie, a video of what Jesus, is he over in the corner shaking? Is he nervous? Is he embarrassed? Is his face red? Because you haven't made him feel welcome in your house. Brother Bram said, door and door. Lo, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and come in, let me in. And come in, let me in. I will sup with him. And he with me. That's the picture we're looking at now. What does a man knock on a door for? What makes a man knock at a door? He's trying to gain entrance. He's trying to come in. Maybe there is something he wants to talk to you about. Maybe he wants to speak with you about some business or something. You notice he didn't say he wanted to speak to you about the Bible or the last sermon. Some business or something. Stuff. Maybe Jesus just likes to talk. Talk to him about fishing. Talk to him about what interests you. I promise you, he'll listen. There's some reason he wouldn't be knocking at the door. Brother Brian knocks on the pulpit. The human decency would be only to open the door and see what the person wants. That's just the only, the human thing to do. Open the door and ask the man, who are you? What do you want? He wants maybe, he wants to visit with you. Just sit down and say, I'm your friend. I like to speak with you just a while this morning. And sit down. If he's a friend, talk with him. If he's some person, he wants something out of you, you could talk it over. <laughs> you won't have to force yourself to church. You have the same zeal in your life that you have for all your hobbies and everything else as you had for God. Where would your spiritual life be? If you had the same zeal for God as you have for your political party. Everybody on Facebook knows where you stand politically. Do they know where you stand spiritually? There's some people, all you see is political garbage, right and left, and conspiracy theories, all this stuff. I don't want to hear it. If you, if you had the same zeal to serve God as you did all this other stuff, where would your life be spiritually? 
I've never seen a beat in my life. Your desire becomes his desire. <clears throat> Souls that are in prison now. But that soul that's in there, see, that soul is what God is working on. I'm going to wind down with this, this one. I don't believe you should be hard on, on somebody's reach hard without giving salve, without lifting up. So if you thought this was just a beat down sermon, I've got some great news for you. I preached a sermon here back when COVID, uh, while we were streaming. I've, I've already forgot the title of it, I think. I don't remember the title, but I had this quote in there, and I think about three or four weeks ago, Brother Donnie read the same quote. We're going to read it again. But that soul that's in there, see, that soul is what God is working on. This is why he wants in. I want you to listen. This is why he wants fellowship. This is why he wants to be part of your life. This is why he wants to go everywhere with you. If he can get that nature, that spirit to agree with him, then that nature dies. The nature and the love of the world dies. The things of the world is dead. See, if you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not in you. <clears throat> and a man must be born again, so this nature has to die, and the nature of God comes and lives in you. God is the only thing there is that never did begin or never can end. So therefore, he was partnershiped. You see, in taking this man earthly and this eternal spirit, he put him together. They moved in together. That's what Brother Branham said in that, in that prayer of his. You live so much in me that we become, I can become completely you. Partnershiped. That's true fellowship. That's opening every door and saying, Lord, you come in every single room in my life. That's what a true marriage is. You're one. You become one. There's nothing. You, you don't, any of you uh, brothers have a secret room in your house that your wife don't know nothing about? I'm not talking about your little nest eggs. Everybody can have one of them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't hide stuff from your wife. When, you, when, when a contractor built your house, you tell him to put a secret room in there and don't tell the wife. You wouldn't do that. <clears throat> he was partnership, you see, in taking this man earthly and this eternal spirit and put it together because God reflected himself back in that. And he became a man when he became Christ Jesus, and he was God. God was in Christ, and see, lived in him, reconciling the world to himself, and through that perfect man, the one that you let in, each one of us who are imperfect, that believe in God, have accepted that, we become his perfection, the perfection of him. God cannot be perfect without you. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. He cannot be perfect without you. Why do you think he wants in every room? Why do you think he wants access to everything in your life? You are him. You are his perfection. Listen, if you... If you were in the mind of God before the foundation of the world, predestinated seed of God, we know it's impossible 
to miss the rapture. If you're a part of God, Brother Bram said, if God took that part of him when you took your first breath and he placed that inside you, nothing will ever take that away. You're signed, sealed, and delivered right there. It's the flesh you've got to fight. So if God put that in you, that part of him in you, it's impossible for him to be complete without you. It's impossible for your wife to be complete without you. You are one. You stood up here, you took the vows, you took your name. Now you're one. In God's eyes, you're one. In the state of Tennessee, you're one. Go down the court and tell them your husband took off in your car. See what they say. Because you're one. Everything that God has belongs to you. He's opened every door that he has. He opened it right here, every one. In 1963, he opened more. The key holder, Malachi 4 and 5, came and opened the final doors. Every door God had said, it's all yours. This is who you are. You are my perfection. Let's stand together. As I said, I, I apologize earlier if, if, if I offended anyone. I don't apologize for a single word I said. I don't. If I stepped on your toes, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't me. So I don't, uh, but I would never offend anybody. Y'all know me. I've been preaching here since 2009. And y'all know this ain't my kind of sermon. I like stories. And that's just, that's, my, that's who I am. That's my personality. That's my nature. I hope I never, God knows my heart, I hope I never preach another one like this. I didn't have no choice. You know, you might say, well, that brother telling you, that may, maybe that coincidence, it might have been. I figured I'd err on the side of caution. I'd rather have you upset at me than him. So, <clears throat> I hope that was a blessing to you. I, like I say, I've, I've been... <clears throat> I'm still raw. I started this a month ago. And I, I don't know. I, I got some, uh, I'm going to have to put some grease on some hinges. That's all I know. Get some locks knocked off some doors. You know, he, he wants to be included in everything. Everything. You know, you, you got your, you know, your parents, I don't, I don't want you to think, because I, I got a kid that plays sports that helps pay for his college. I, them things, I ain't saying those things are wrong. But don't let that be all your kid is to you. Don't, 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 you know, raise your kid. And now, now, you know, when my oldest, I'll be honest with you, my oldest graduated high school football season was over. I cried. I cried. I did. Hey, I don't care. I cried. You dads, you dads have been there, the ones that you've been there. But I cried. That's my boy. He, he gave me enjoyment. But it, later on, I got checked on that. He, he still gives me enjoyment. That's right. He still gives me enjoyment because I see him coming in here and sitting and listening to the Word. Amen. 
I see him raising his hands. I see him praising the Lord. I see him coming up here asking for strength. That gives me eternal joy. Football only gives me temporary joy. It's only for a season. And if that's all you have invested in your kid, it'll end. And you'll fall hard. But if you look at it to like God gave me blessings, like Brother Bram said, you claim your kids. Claim your kids. And you look at them and say, well, they're not serving the Lord right now. They're not doing this. Listen, it's by faith. Cheer them on the same way you did when you cheered them on when they were playing football, when they were playing baseball, soccer, whatever it is your, your son, your daughter does. When they were making straight A's in, in school, when they go to college, cheer them on. When they get a job, cheer them on. But when they come up here, say, I want the Holy Ghost, that's when you cheer the most. That's when you have a pep rally. Let's bow our heads, please. I know there, I might have said some things that were hurting and cutting. I, I hope that I can take these notes and shred them. I don't want to ever preach a sermon like that. God is my witness. I don't ever want to preach a sermon like that in the rest of my life. If God was to tell me tonight, that was your last sermon, you don't have to preach anymore. Joe would be throwing a party. Because you, godly nature does not want to hurt people. Godly nature wants to bless people. But there's this part in our life that God says, you need a little bit of sand in here, a little smoothing up here. You might have every door in your house open, but one. You might have even opened up a crack, but still not enough for Jesus to get in there yet. So I'm going to do it, and I want you to do it. Let everybody check your life. As we enter in prayer, check your life. Lord, if there's anything that I've kept from you, if there's anything in my life that you don't feel welcome at, I want to get rid of it. I want to open that door wide open. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for these people. Lord, I know they're the queen of heaven, but humanly, these are the finest people on the face of the earth. No, I've told it everywhere I've went. I would rather preach here to these people than anywhere I've ever preached in my life. They pull. They receive it well. They're encouraging. And Lord, I, you know that I need that. I get nervous. Lord, I've been nervous for a month on this sermon. But Lord, as you look at our hearts, including mine, if there be anything, Lord, unlike you, anything, Father, that we've kept from you, if we've locked doors, if we just pushed them closed, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be mindful. Quicken our hearts to show us you need to open that. You need to let me have access to that. Lord, I pray there wouldn't be one single thing in my life that I've kept from you. My desire, Lord, is for you to be comfortable living in my skin. I'm sure that's the, that would be the prayer of everyone here. Lord, be comfortable in my skin. Lord, touch each need, touch each heart from the front to the back, Lord. Lord, we give you glory. We thank you, Lord, that we are the perfection of you. 
You can't be perfect without us. We can't be perfect without you. That makes us one. Open our eyes to see that, Lord. If, you, if that would become a true revelation in our heart, that we are your perfection, if that revelation ever strikes the soul, dear Lord, our life will totally change. The way we live our life, the way we talk to people, would totally change. I pray that you bless these people, bless each need. Thank you, Lord, for helping them to be attentive to me, Lord. I know I struggle sometimes. It's just who I am. I pray that you would bless them. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'll ask Brother Harry if he wouldn't care to sing that song. He's in the house. So we sing, sing the song. Let that be your... If he's in the house, you've let him in. He's in the front door. Let him move all the way through your house. Let Open that door of worship tonight and welcome him in there. Don't matter, it don't matter how anybody else is worshiping. It ain't about you and them. It's about you and God. Close everybody else off. I don't care what somebody's doing beside you. That's between them and God. It's got nothing to do with you. If they're a distraction, Satan's done his job. If there's somebody distracting you in church, Satan's done it. God won't distract you. So tonight, as we sing this song, He's in the house. Let it between, between you and Him. Let it be between you and, and God. You're, you're in my house. You have the whole house. Little girl was lying there. People all were weeping. They just laughed at Jesus when He said she's only sleeping. As he took her by the hand, she began to live again. Some began to praise the Lord. Some began to say, He's in the house. Death had to flee. Now there is a light.
Jesus be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all. All the doors of my heart. Oh, Jesus be
turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for in His wonderful faith. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the
What's best 
you 
and over He molds me and makes me into His likeness He fashions the stumble and I 
Well, did you enjoy the service tonight? I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I, I certainly appreciate Brother Joe obeying the Lord. Amen. I think, I think lives were changed tonight. Um, either in your seat or if you came down the altar. You know, there's, there's still room at the altar. But a lot of folks don't take advantage of that anymore. But sometimes you need to walk down and put a stake in the ground and say, I'm leaving different tonight. For those folks that did that tonight, I pray that God will just honor, your, honor the steps that you made. If you did it in your seat, God can honor it right there too. But let's pray for those folks that came up here tonight, put a stake in the ground, said, I'll be different from tonight forward. We're believing with you. Appreciate you tonight, Joe. You did a great job. Just, um, I guess, remember the service Sunday morning. I don't know if Brother Donnie's back in town or not. <laughs> but just be, just be remembering those services. Let's sing that in Jesus' name we press on. I think we do that in A. Let's just sing this as you go tonight. In Jesus' name. We press on In Jesus' name We press on Dear Lord With the pride Jesus' name.